What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here, and I'm so excited. We have a real treat today. Today, we're moving forward with Alain Mayrand, composer and orchestral conductor for film and concert music. Alain's credits include orchestration for Elysium and Ender's Game and composition for films such as The Legend of Silk Boy and more recently, No Letting Go, for which he received a nomination for Achievement in Music Original Score by the Academy of Canadian Film and Television. You can learn more at his website, AlainMerend.com. How are you today, Alain? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, fantastic. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm really excited for you to share your story. So tell us a little bit about your story and your career journey. Oh, man. Well, as you said, I'm a composer and orchestrator. I've worked with orchestras and, and uh, I've done film orchestration and I'm also a pedagogue, so teacher, and recently a bit of an entrepreneur, I guess, with Score Club. Oh, that's wonderful. So that's taking up a lot of my time, that's for sure. Uh, so I've always been a musician. Actually, I started very young on guitar, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, and, and you know, it wasn't the my main focus at that point. But it was also it was always something I had in my life. Uh, I was a big fan of film scores at, at a young age. And so it makes sense that later on it would be something I'd become uh, passionate about to the point of making it a career. Yeah. So I studied composition in university. So I did my undergrad in piano performance and composition and also with a minor in jazz guitar. Moved on to a, a master's degree in composition, but decided not to continue uh, with the academic route. And what was it that made you decide, uh, you know, were you at a crossroads in, in your time in school? What made you decide to not go the academic route? And how did you end up working in film? Well, at that point, you see, when I started studying, I didn't know really that you could have a career as a film composer. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you could see music in film, you could hear it there, but and I was recording it off the television. I had a really strong interest. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think of it as a career. I wanted to be a, a concert composer. But at, after my master's degree, I had started learning more about it, took a few classes as a, in film scoring and got it really interested. Mm. And the academia is always I mean, I love learning about composition and I wanted to continue more on my own, on my own terms. And so when I finished my master's degree, I did spend, you know, a few years, I guess you would say, in the woodshed working on my my skills, on my chops, and the way I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I started scoring uh, independent films, short films, to get, uh, you know, to get some credits, to, to get some uh, some practice doing it. Yeah. And, w- and was, there some, was there anything in school that you learned, or was this something that you had to kind of figure out on your own? How, do, how did you get connected with uh, filmmakers to score their projects? Well, in school, I took, like I said, two two courses in film composition, and one of them was very insightful, and that gave me the film scoring bug. So after that, what I did is I started going on uh, internet billboards at the time for ah. where you know people would be, uh, where filmmakers would be hanging out. I then I would go and talk to teachers over at the Vancouver Film School, for example, and so that way I started building connections, mm-hmm. right? And I one of the things I did is when I finished my master's degree. I got four pieces recorded with the school orchestra, with the university orchestra, 
that were sort of film moods, right? So mm-hmm. one that was like an action piece, one was a, like a romantic piece, things like that. Yeah. And I also put uh, some students together and recorded a sh- like a small ensemble and recorded a bunch of uh, also film moods, but not for orchestra, for chamber groups. And uh, it sounds like, so a lot of what you did was, in addition to the education, a lot of it was also just branching out on your own, like you said, going out onto internet billboards. And I mean, what was that experience like uh, connecting with filmmakers uh, for the first time? Well, you know, you want them to like your stuff, right? So early on, there's there's a lot of silence. You send your material out and nothing happens. Mm. And that's a big learning process because you get that feeling that people don't like you. Oh, gosh. Right? But the reality is, you know, with maturity, with experience, you get to know that that's not the situation. The situation is if they're working on a movie, they're busy. Right. Right? And if it's not the right time in the production process, they they may not even look at your email, say, composer, it's not time now. And... They go on and, and, you know, and it's just the way it is, right? I mean, we we understand that. We don't always have time at that moment when we get the email in, right, to answer that email, especially if it's something that requires attention, like listening that takes time. We don't always have that time, especially if you're working even on a small independent film, even if it's like, you know, for no money when you're trying to build credits and, and credibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the one thing I had to learn for sure is is that it's not personal. Was there a particular time? And one of the things that we love to talk about on this show is just overcoming some difficult setbacks, especially if you're pursuing something that is non-traditional or, or a career path that you never imagined possible. So I was wondering if there was a time where maybe you, you had a setback or a failure or a rejection that was particularly painful where you felt like things were just starting to fall apart? You know, that's a good question. There's there's all these projects that you send materials for and that you get rejected. So yeah. is there one specifically that stands out? No. But that, that the struggle of that journey is really the biggest difficulty, right? Sure. So nothing fell apart at any point, but there's that question, you know, like a- along the way is, am I going to succeed at this or am I just going to be a cautionary tale? You know, like, oh, you see, you shouldn't go into the arts or you shouldn't try to be a composer because this is what happens, right? Uh, and, you know, the the idea of making your own luck through effort and, and pers- perseverance is uh, it, that, that would I would say that was the most difficult part of the process because it's a long haul and yeah. It's true that some people do have luck. And, you you know, I've met enough people along the way to know that that does happen, that they were in a band and then they meet this guy that's a director who says, oh, I loved your band. I saw you there. Do you want to score my movie? And then for some reason, things just kind of come together. And that has nothing to do with perseverance or, or even talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I say talent. I'm, I'm exaggerating there because, yes, of course, the you know, the person was able to score the film. You don't have a career at this if you're unable to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It's simple as that. Right. But it's uh, it's it's what I mean is there, there's more to it than just the quality of your work. There's there is luck involved. Right. And uh, did I ever have that kind of luck? No. I you know what? I, I actually I had to really it, it, it was a I don't want to say a struggle because that makes it sound like it's a terrible thing. But but yeah, it was work and I had to do things um, like, you know, be like persevere, sending out emails and doing it the way that I was comfortable doing it too, because a, a part of it is that you get told, no, don't do it this way. That doesn't work. Mm. You only get work this way. And, you know, going to 
you know, uh, like getting meetings and going to parties and doing that. And I never feel comfortable doing the schmoozing thing. Right. Right. I really don't. And, and so for me, part of that was finding my own way through it and the way that I felt comfortable uh, getting those connections and getting the gigs. And it turns out that the way that I was told doesn't work actually works very well for me. Oh, that's great. And I think a key word that you hit on that I want moving forward listeners to really take away from your story is the perseverance. I mean, you have the talent and you have the desire, but it really was the long haul, that perseverance and facing maybe those silent emails where the non responses and just keep going on. But you mentioned something that which I think is also important in your journey, there, there does come a time. And I think everyone goes through this, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a composer, an artist, where you maybe begin to question, okay, is this the right thing? Am I going to become, like you said, a cautionary tale? Was there a moment in which you realized, you know what, this is the path for me? The perseverance is starting to pay off. Was there a moment where when we say the light bulb went off or when things started to really shift and align for you? There's a few moments. Mm. There's a few moments. The Legend of Silk Boy was one of them. That's for sure, because uh, I'd done quite a lot. And there was a moment uh, before The Legend of Silk Boy that I thought to myself, you know, like, uh, OK, I, I or actually what happened is I had I had sort of developed a voice doing concert music. Mm-hmm. Right. And I wanted to give that a shot because there's there's a freedom in writing just the music you want to write. And when people because I was composing residence with an orchestra, I'd written concert band music and the response was really um encouraging yeah <laughs> it really was it, it, it was more than i had experienced before i'd found who i was as a composer so i wanted to, to work on that uh it's a different you know so i and i decided not to continue and then because it's, it's difficult it's a difficult area a part of a, like doing concert music is is hard mm-hmm. um and film music what happened is i realized i have a passion for the whole package for the story and all of that and i made that decision and then silk boy happened and it, that was from all the previous efforts i'd put into it so silk boy was a big moment oh that's great and share with us alain how did silk boy come into your life and what was the the circumstances or events that led you to becoming the composer for that film well there's um, a, a short film i had done uh, a few years prior there uh, called say yes um with Neil Every, mm-hmm. and Neil was one of the writers on Silk Boy, and so he put my name forward. Now I had never done anything of that scale before, and certainly not uh, animation. Although I, one of the demos I did back when I was in university, one of the ones I mentioned with a chamber group, mm-hmm. was an animated um, type piece that was taken from an exercise I'd done in uh, the film class, and I seem to have a knack for it because a little side note here: as a kid, I thought. My my career was going to be an animator at Disney. Uh-huh. That's what I wanted to do. So I've always loved animation. And even as an adult, I would watch it. And uh, so I seem to have like a bit of an affinity to it musically anyway. So I had something to show already. So Neil then put me forward to, to the director, David. And, and uh, David really liked what he heard. And he heard one piece of mine called uh, Our Dance that said, that's that's the kind of music I want. That that melody there just stuck with me. So, uh, but what happened because there was other composers involved and some people thought I, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I had, I had people going against me and, you know, oh, like wow. uh, other industry people, you know, so I put in this document, uh, to sort of, I don't want to say plead my case there, but because I don't want to say that I was pleading, but I was proving 
that I could do it. Yes. And I made a case for myself. Oh, I, I love it. Again, that perseverance, which just comes through. And I want you to share with our listeners, because you're getting an opportunity, an opportunity is opening up. Someone who knows your work wants to give you this opportunity, and yet there are forces that are trying to work against you. Talk about, I mean, what was it about that that kept you going? What Was there a, a drive inside of you? Is this something that you've always had? Is this something that, uh, is it just, it, was yeah. it just part of the fact that you had, you had paid your dues over time. What really kind of encouraged and pushed you to go for this project, which was, it sounds like a very big one for you in the beginning. It is. And I think the, the first thing first is, is that it, it was the kind of project that I want to be writing mm. for. Yes. Right. One of those dream projects where you get to write the kind of music that you want to write and be part of, you know, like that animated movie. Like I said, I had this childhood passion for it, this love for it. And now I can do this and combine it with my music. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. But part of it too, is I knew I could do it. Yeah. I love right. That. And if I didn't have that confidence, you know, it, it would have been different, but I knew that they wouldn't be disappointed. And, and it turned out fantastic. And they were not, they, they were, they, there was basically no rewrites through the whole process. I just wrote, I sent a cue to the director said, holy crap, that's amazing. And that's it. <laughs> that's right. Great. So, yeah. Because I was so, I just wanted this to be just amazing, right? And also, I had connections. I was able to also get uh, the orchestra and I, all kinds of, of things just fell in place. But I, I don't want to say fell in place because I worked for them. That's for right, sure. Right. Uh, I remember spending a lot of time putting that document together and just talking with the director. And because, uh, but keep in mind, if the director had not heard that piece that made him believe that I was the guy, yeah, that would have been the end of it. We had to kind of, I had to get a lot of like a time with the director talking with him so that we could make our, our plan of attack so that I would be the guy for the, for the film. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, like I said, producers, uh, even like the sound design, I mean, there was so many people saying the, you know, don't get this guy. Mm. Yeah. So it was fun though. I, because it, it all, that turned out great. And then another, uh, event there that really helped was Elysium. Yes. Yes. And, yes, and tell our listeners a little bit about that because that was a—that's an amazing movie. It was, a, a, and it's you know I'm a huge sci-fi fan, so it's it's one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on the show. So, I mean, what led you to to working on that film? Well, having been uh, working with a local orchestra here as a composer in residence for four years, and then doing Silk Boy, one of the decisions I had made early on is I didn't want to just do computer music. Mm-hmm. I love the live orchestra that's like something that really it gives me that giddy feeling you know like you just that's that's where you're meant to be that's what you're meant to do so i made a decision to be not the guy using the samples and the synths even though i use them everybody's got to use those but to be that was my usp right my my unique selling proposition what Mm -hmm. i i was hoping would make me stand out is the quality of my music and the fact that it was live players yeah so that when so i always made an effort doesn't matter didn't matter what the project was i would put live players to give. So that when Elysium came around, uh, I knew the music editor, Rich Walters, and they were doing it in town, the post-production, and the composer was, he hadn't done a movie, let's just put it that way. Right. Okay. And they needed an orchestrator, and Rich said, well, I know this guy, he's the orchestral expert, right? So I I'd, I'd positioned myself through that decision-making, instead of just taking always the easy way out, right, and just saying, well, it's a short film, there's no budget i'll but i did it live anyway 
Yeah. And it sounds like, Elaine, and, and one of the things that I'm loving about your story is that relationship building, perseverance, advocating for, for your talents, but also I love the fact that you were able to position yourself, your, your unique selling uh, proposition, you were able to position yourself as, a, as the uh, go-to person for doing live orchestral music. So I, I can see where the seeds are planted for not only becoming a film uh, conductor and composer, but also to become an entrepreneur. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can. <laughs> so share with our listeners a little bit about uh, your entrepreneurial ventures today. With uh, Score Club. Yes. Well, with film, what, you know, one of the, the, the side results there is that, you know, like yeah, I decide to be a certain type of composer, the, you know, the kind of composer where I, I look at what I'm doing and I'm proud of it. Yeah. Right. So I've said no to projects, even though it's kind of like a, a bit of a, uh, uh, a, a common wisdom is take every job. Well, I'm just, I can't do it. I have this sort of emotional problem where I can't, I just can't do it. Sure. I get too much resistance and I just feel terrible. And also part of it is there's, there's the, the pricing, right? Sometimes jobs just, you know, we become part of that race to the bottom. So I don't sure. want to be part of that. So I, I, you know what I, you know what I mean? So what would happen is I take fewer jobs and in between I would be teaching, mm-hmm. which I, I did, I didn't realize I would love it as much as I did. Yeah. Right. I remember coming out of school and started to teach at a music school and doing it just because that's what you do. And then really loving it because there's you transmit your love of music. Right. And if you really love it, that's part of what you want to do. And then you read about the great uh, composers like Chopin, who just was really uh, passionate about teaching as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think those are two things uh, that that don't live together. You know, like people talk about those that uh, do do it and those that can't teach, right? <laughs> yes, I don't believe in that. I and I, I think that, that either. And it's, that's, no, that's not the way it should be. Yeah. Really. Absolutely. Right? It should, I remember Kevin Spacey. What, what you absolutely love, what your passion is, that's what you should also pass on to others. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, send the elevator back down, as they say, absolutely. right? Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, Explain for our listeners and share with our listeners a little bit about the genesis of, of Score Club and, and what its goal is and what you do with it. Well, it came from teaching, right? So I was teaching, then I, I started teaching. After Score Club, I stopped at the music school and I was teaching online composition specifically. That's what I wanted to do, just teach mm-hmm. composition. And over over the last uh, few years, there are so many students would say, this was a great lesson. You should record these things. That's amazing, uh, yes. right? Yeah. And as I as my teaching approach improved, I started to see that yes, there's something there, right? You know, like I, I'm very, um, I'm gonna say analytical mm-hmm. in what I do, and the way that I, I explain things, I try to bring it down to the essence, right? You know, so I try to explain it as simply as possible, so that it's that basic concept we developed from, and, and that became my whole teaching approach, and it worked extremely well because that came from me needing to understand things so that I had complete control when I was composing. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And you know, there's something about bringing it down to that essence. So you almost have like a label for that core concept, the root of an idea of a concept so that then afterwards you don't get lost in the details of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's also part of that is also building the solution that you wish you had had when you were starting out. And that's the other thing. And then with my kids, I, one of the Things that I I had was uh, the websites where they would go and and learn math online, right, or or whatever, and 
seeing those types of, of uh, learning environments that are self-driven. And that was part of what led me to form a map of courses that would all be linked together for a score, what became Score Club. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Right. So that somebody could just everything would be synergistic. I never I thought that you, you don't need to learn theory. Right. And then just do that. And then afterwards do orchestration. And then you don't know how it fits together. Right. Like my like I have this whole thing mapped out. I had this big map on my wall with paper like a mad scientist mm -hmm. where I linked everything together so that somebody could either learn just the one thing at a time or decided to put their program together where they would study, like for example, the four part writing and then they can study basic orchestration at the same time and they do both together. So whatever they're writing, then they're orchestrating as they do it. And it becomes this whole like I say, synergy, right? Everything yeah. fits together. Absolutely. And then I realized that there I had something, something to give, something that was worth, uh, that, that would help people. Yeah. And I have to ask you, I mean, did you ever imagine when you started your music career that this is where you would end up? As an entrepreneur there, yeah. like this way? Yeah. Because that's, you know what? I realized this in the, in just this year, really. Well, there you go. I, I, I got a business. I'm a business owner now. Yeah. I love <laughs> absolutely love it. No, I, ha I had no idea. I really didn't have any idea. Uh, I absolutely love it. Great story. Well, Elaine, are you ready for the knowledge burst session? Yes. All right. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. Super, super excited to have you on the show. So let's break it down for our Moving Forward listeners. And I really, really am excited to ask you this first one. So do you have a particular media source. And when I say media source, for most people, I ask them to pick a book, uh, a movie, or a okay. song, or it could be a cultural experience. Pick one and share with our listeners which one inspired you to move forward. Oh, yeah. This is without a doubt. It's The Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. Ah, oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. The Rite of Spring is then when, that's when I realized uh because before that, I'd studied jazz. I'd studied, you know, like I I'd played rock and roll. I'd done all kinds of of styles, of genres, right? You play a style and then you're stuck there. But I always wanted to push out of it. And then people would say, that doesn't fit. You know, I would play jazz. And, well, that's not a jazz line. Right? Well, I don't want to be playing cliches or idioms or whatever. And the Rite of Spring made me realize that that place there, that musical environment was completely open. Mm, right? Yeah. From these amazing crunchy everything in there it was just amazing and it just completely blew my mind and it set me on the path that i'm still on i mean it's so connected to film scoring anyway yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah pick one and share with our listeners do you have a favorite app website or productivity practice that has proven to be a real game changer for you Okay. Uh, well, that's something i'm still working on <laughs> but certainly being a, a creative person you need to have your mind clear, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And and so for me, it's really uh, there's a I mean, there's a few there, but certainly I like Google Keep. Oh, that's a great one. Right. Uh, so I have a notepad by my desk. So while I'm working, if I have a thought, I just put it down there. Mm -hmm. So and then it's out of my mind and I can keep working. And then what I do is then I sort that into different categories in Google Keep at the end of the, the day or 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 anytime I think about it. And then the beautiful thing is that if I'm out, I have Google Keep on my phone. And so it's synced up. And I can, if I have a thought, I can put it there. I didn't need to bring a notepad if I didn't have one. I, but I love the two-step process that you first put it down on pen and paper, then you put it into Google Keep. That sounds like it's a really good practice as well. 
Well, it's just faster because if I have to go and open Google Keep and find the right, right. container, right? Like, you know, oh, this is for Score Club, <laughs> this is for Film Scoring, this is for the movie I'm on, right? Uh, I, the, the sorting part there, I was trying to do that early on. It doesn't work. I need to just kind of lay it down, move on, right? If it takes like more than five seconds, it's too long, then I lose the flow of things. But if I try to keep it in my head while I'm trying to compose, well, that doesn't work either because then I try to make sure I don't forget it and then it completely lose my flow, right? Because momentum and flow, I always talk about like that flow, right? You got to keep that flow going, that creative flow. Otherwise, things grind to a halt and you don't, don't want that. Absolutely. Well, and I'm excited to ask you. So as someone who does so much, how do you recharge your batteries or reboot when you feel like you've hit a roadblock or maybe you're up against the wall? Well, uh, creatively... Yeah, that was actually something that I focused on is mastering my creative process. I would read about creativity, you know, with, with uh, what was his name there, De Bono and, and uh, Richard Von Oyck and, and those types of creative experts. Like they're experts on creativity, usually more in a sort of business environment. But I certainly applied a lot and I would study how people do like a copywriting and how they are creative on demand. So when it comes to roadblocks, I've got my tricks now that when I don't hit a lot of creative roadblocks anymore and I know my process. Oh, that's great. That's great. And it's uh, one, one thing you also hit on, which I think is super important is you don't say yes to every project. I absolutely love that, that you don't take on every opportunity that comes your way because like you said, you don't necessarily want to burn yourself out or, uh, you know, get into a, a price war and, you know, race to the bottom. Like you said, I love that you're saying yes to select things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope that's a wise decision, but uh, I, I have to long go. Long term, it's a wise decision. That's my validation anyway, but I know that it's very much also a personality trait and it's an emotional reaction. And, you know, I wake up and I have this feeling of anxiety working on things that I don't love, right? So I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. So, are you ready to do a little time travel? Oh, yes, sure. <laughs> As someone who has worked in sci-fi films, I think this is so, such a perfect question. We're going to go back a couple of years. Let's go back to a time in your life where maybe you weren't sure where things were going in terms of your career, your, your profession, or maybe just your life. Is there one piece of advice that you would like to share with your past self that would have been super helpful? Uh, yeah, I... I that's a good one. That's a that's always a tricky one. I have to yeah, tell you, I don't I don't really know. So the best I can tell you is I would say just just be you. Mm, just because if you try to follow everybody's advice and then you're forcing your way down a path that's not comfortable, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to work. And also that there's uh, you know uh, this this entrepreneurial bent that I seem to have that that's okay too. And it doesn't work against my, the way people view me as a composer. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. And, and, you know, if I'm not comfortable going to the, the meetings, just be myself, you know, and just don't worry about it. Just do it the way you normally do it. And it's, and it's, it works out great actually. So, and just be 
patient and have faith. It's going to work out. Have faith is the wrong way, but it's going to work out. How about that? (laughs) I think that's good advice. But here's the flip side. How would your past self responded to that advice? I think you would say, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It sounds like you were already in that mind frame back then. And and I'm glad you've been been consistent with that. It's, It's really, really fantastic advice. Well, Alain, how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about the great work that you're doing? Well, there's my personal website, uh, alemena.com, right? And then the, there's, of course, the, the, the social media connections there and, of course, the contact page. I try to be active on social media, on Twitter and on Facebook. That's a, that's a learning process, that's for sure. Yeah, for everyone. And, <laughs> right? Uh, so that's a good place. And, of course, the uh, scoreclub.net, that's my teaching site there where all the lessons. I'm, I'm working on a new course right now. To, Spending a little bit of time on that every day and the rest of the time on the movie. Because oh. I'm working on a, this, this feature film now called Beast of Burden. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, that'll be it's a dream project. Oh, fantastic. It really is. Congratulations. Well, Elaine, thank you. I want to thank you so much. And I'd love for you to close out the show. So using no more than three or four words, what parting wisdom would you like to pass on to Moving Forward listeners? Well, I think that's certainly what drives me and the way I approach my lessons at Score Club and the way I approach scoring a movie is this. Aim for true excellence. Aim for true excellence. Fantastic. What a wonderful way to close out the show. Alain, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your super busy schedule to join us today to share your story and your knowledge bursts so that our listeners can be inspired to move forward. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. Thanks, John, for having me. And remember, listeners, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Join us next Tuesday for another extraordinary guest. Have a great week. And remember, always be moving forward. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.